For quite a while now, I've been wanting to talk to all of you beautiful fempreneurs about that very, very touchy and private subject. Money. <laughs> Actually, money should make you feel like this. Because money is what allows us to be philanthropic, to help others, to have fun experiences with our loved ones, to make really spectacular memories and just basically do a lot of good while we're on this earth for this very limited time that we get to be on this earth. So let's dive in. This is a recording from a class that I taught to a group of entrepreneurs. And it's not the whole recording. I chopped just the meatiest parts for you here in this podcast episode. So grab your pen and notebook. There are five or six really powerful journaling prompts. And the feedback I got from the ladies that were here for the live class, they said that these journaling prompts were so powerful for them. So don't skip them. Have your pen and notebook handy and treat this like a workshop because that's what it is. Get in there, do the work, answer the questions. And if you have any questions about anything that you hear in this episode, reach out to me. I would love to get to know you and help you get through any of this stuff that's confusing for you or that feels like it's just weighing really, really heavily on you. All right, here we go. All right, welcome ladies. Let's begin. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, this is a topic that's been weighing on me for years. I used to teach about money a lot when my full-time career was in finance. And then when the YYC Fempreneurs was born, my focus has been on helping women make more money through their talents. And that's how you all know me. <laughs> However, I have a whole other skill set in the realm of finances that I'm excited to share with you today. We are going to dive in a little bit into the techie stuff about money, but this isn't very heavy on the tech because um, if you have questions around that, they're usually very unique to you and your situation. So I'm going to give you kind of a high level overview of the types of investments that I see, the types of things that I do with my clients. And again, I'm going to share a couple client avatars with you so you get that storytelling feature. So this is the first question I have for you. And a few of you uh, have done marketing school, so you will remember this one. But I literally answer something different every time I write this stuff down. So you'll probably be the same. If you won a $1 million cash prize today, what would you do tomorrow? And really write down clearly the things that you would do, as well as if they're any different from what you're actually going to do tomorrow. Because for some people, a $1 million isn't going to make a lick of change. And for others, it's going to make a whole world of change. So really get clear on what's going to change. And, and if that's like really different from what's happening in your life actually tomorrow, or if it's really not that different. So just take a minute. All right, I'll share mine just because this is usually the theme. I would buy land. Um, it would be land that I could hopefully eventually build some sort of a, you know, little cabins on to have you all out for things like this, where we could do a whole money weekend retreat. Um, but definitely just buy the land. A million dollars doesn't buy a lot of land nowadays, ladies. I don't, I don't know if you know that. <laughs> um, I would pay off my debt. I've got a little bit of debt that sort of just hangs around. And then I would do all the four by four upgrades to my Toyota 4Runner that I've been dreaming about forever and ever. 
So there's some fun facts about me. All right, keep writing if you have more things coming to mind about this million dollar question. And now let's jack that number up to $10 million. Write what would change in your life. Probably just add to the list you already started making. Or maybe it's a whole different list. Because for me, I would still do all of the same things. I would still show up for you all. I would hold free events. I would have my business coaching clients. I would be writing books. I would be holding retreats. I would do all the things that I'm doing right now because I love it. Um, I'd probably give away more awesome free swag and um, I'd probably you know, have some sort of a scholarship program so that women can come to these retreats and things if they can't afford it, things like that. Okay, so $10 million, keep writing. Next, let's do a little bit of writing around the success that you actually desire. And before we start writing this, I wanna tell you a little story. It's a story about this woman who, when she was a little kid, she had this big Italian family and they would go out, they would go back to Italy from the States every, every year and spend time with all of the extended family. And they'd have these big elaborate dinners, usually at restaurants and the whole town that her father was from in Italy kind of knew everyone in their family. Their family was kind of famous. So when they were at a restaurant as a big group, everyone was looking at them and and you know, when you're like eight to 13 years old, you're you're nervous and you're very impressionable and, and things really can traumatize you um, because you care so much about what everyone thinks at that young, tender age. So there was this, uh, this one dish on the table. It was these crispy little deep fried rings and she had no idea what they were. And so she asked her dad, like, what's that? And he proceeded to kind of make a big to-do about it. And then he dared her to eat one. She was convinced that they were worms. She somehow found this idea in her head, like, okay, trying to figure out what these things are. Okay, well, they could probably take worms and curl them into circles and deep fry them. So she's thinking these are worms. And she's decided that they're worms. And her dad's now daring her to eat them in front of the whole table and then the restaurant as well. And she's mortified. And she eventually does, you know, kind of succumb to her competitive nature. And she's like, I'm not going to back down. <laughs> so she eats one. And, but she's gagging and freaking out the whole time she's chewing on it because she thinks it's a worm. And then she finds out that it's squid and that squid's really not that bad. She actually loves seafood. So she actually liked it after she found out what it was and stopped gagging and thinking it was a worm. And the moral of the story is like, we decide what reality is for us. We choose our beliefs, our thoughts. We decide what's real. So our entire reality that we're living in right now, the money that's in our bank account, the money that's not in our bank account, the success our business, uh, the success level we feel our business is at, we've created all of that. That's us. Our mind has decided what that's going to look like. And the cool thing is you can change that. So right now when you're completing this um, little writing assignment about your career desires and your philanthropic desires, Remember, this is how you design your life is by doing things like what we're doing right now. It's by deciding that you're going to choose differently than what you've been choosing in the past, that you're going to dream bigger, and that you're not just going to dream, you're going to do the things. So I'll give you one minute to write down some career desires and some philanthropic desires. Like for me, like I was saying to you before, one of my philanthropic desires is to be able to have a scholarship program within the YYC Fempreneurs where women who literally have zero dollars to invest in their business can at least get 
um, you know, a huge chunk of the cost of a retreat or a marketing education program or a one-on-one coaching program with me or another fempreneur who offers something, I can basically provide them with funds for that. That's one of my philanthropic desires for the future. All right, take a minute. All right. I hope you wrote down some juicy stuff, ladies. Now, what's holding you back from achieving those things you just wrote down? Sometimes we don't really know. And sometimes we write down some things and then we realize that we've made them up. So they could be realistic, actual blocks that you need help with removing, or they could be perceived blocks that you literally need to shift your thinking, you need to change your language, you need to snap an elastic band on your wrist every time that negative thought pops into your head. Whatever the reason for these things, let's write them down. What's holding you back from achieving the, the definitions of success that you just wrote down? What would make you feel more financially confident? And I put a list of things here that I often hear. Paying off my debt, having a plan for if I become ill or unable to work, multiple income streams. And for me, you know, years ago, um, I guess it was probably five years ago, I was asked this question and I realized that what would make me feel more financially confident was knowing that if something happened to me, like if I couldn't, and I can work literally from sitting in a wheelchair, if my, if I'm paralyzed, I can work <laughs> pretty much no matter what's going on. But if I suffered some sort of brain, you know, thing that I couldn't, you know, stare at screens or if something really major happened that stopped me from being able to do my business, which is predominantly in front of a computer, I wanted to make sure that I was taken care of. And so that was something that gave me a lot more financially confidence when I put that plan into place and I checked off the boxes of those what ifs. That's an example. Um, for many of us, having more income streams makes us feel more financially confident. And I absolutely feel like I, <laughs> this is like an insatiable hunger for me is having more income streams. I always am trying to think of new income streams um, I'm adding new investments to my financial portfolio. I'm doing different things to sort of see what's out there and what works because let's face it, um, money works for us if we, if we tell it to, right? So money can do things in our lives, like allow us to be these philanthropic, amazing women that we want to be, um, if we utilize it properly. So Write down anything that comes to mind. If there's a, a financial kind of weakness that you're sensing, write it down and maybe write down as well what you would do um, to fix it. And if you don't know, write that down as well. All right, let's start with our first avatar story. I've changed some details from some actual clients of mine. So this is Claire and Joe. <laughs> And 10 years ago, when they first sat down with me to discuss their financial concerns, they were 35 years old and their two girls were age four and seven. Having finally paid off the last of their student loans from vet veterinary school, they were ready to start saving and planning for future needs and dreams. So 
True story, uh, for those of you who don't know, I worked for a large international investment firm. I went from a hairdresser to a financial advisor. I was hired by that firm purely because I had been a self-employed entrepreneur for eight years. They loved that because it was really not the kind of um, career where you could do it if you had that job mentality. You had to be a go-getter, and they loved that I had that, and that I was willing to get the courses I needed to actually have them hire me, and I was willing to do that immediately. So when I found out about this opportunity, they said, you need the Canadian Securities course and this Wealth Management Essentials course, and I was like, how do I take these courses? I signed up. I had just sold my house in Grand Prairie, so I had money sitting there that I could use for things like this to invest in myself. And I was able to get these courses and start working at this uh, investment firm. And so these particular clients actually started with me while I was still there. And that company ended up firing me because I wasn't bringing in enough commissions. So they had the big fancy office that was paid for for me. They had hired me a, rece a receptionist, like an admin person. And I was literally not paying the bills at that place. And they gave me a couple years to kind of figure it out. Um... But honestly, my favorite thing to do in that job is I had this really cool big meeting room in the back. I would hold these fun ladies investing nights and I would bring in guest speakers because I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing most of the time. And I would bring in these people that were smarter than me to speak to these ladies, to empower them, to teach them things. And that's how I got a lot of my first accounts. And a lot of those um, women and couples like this one here they came with me when I was let go because I was able to actually start my own financial consulting firm, which I still have today. And so basically I'm a financial broker and anything that you could go and get from a bank, you could get from me. And I still run that business today. And it was through marketing my first book called Money and the 39 Forever Mom that I realized my true calling was to not only help women by teaching them about money as um, what to do with money they had, but also go to entrepreneurial women and say, hey, I have this system that works for marketing your business and I'd love to help you you know, earn more money in your business. And then also if you wanna invest it with my help, then that's available to you as well. So back to Claire and Joe, they were ready to start doing some different things with their money now that these student loans were paid off. So we talked about RSPs and TFSAs, I made sure that they understood the difference and just the fact that an RSP results in a chunk of money being given. Like when you put money in your RSP, then you get a little bit of money back from the government, right? On your tax return, but it's not actually part of your tax return. It's, it's a loan. It's money that they've given back to you because you've put money in your RSPs. But later in life, when you take those RSPs out, you're going to owe that money back to the government. And with TFSAs, it's completely the opposite. You take your after-tax dollars and put them in a tax-free savings account. Nothing happens other than if you grow that money, all that profit inside the TFSA is tax-free. So they were like, oh, well, we don't know for sure that we're ever going to be in a lower tax bracket, which means we're just going to end up taking you know, this money back from the government on our tax return this year. And then in 10, 15 years, we might be giving the same amount back to them. So really, what's the point, right? Like, we would rather have tax-free growth on our money. So for people who aren't really sure that they're ever going to be in a lower tax bracket, which is happening more and more, um, people used to kind of plan to be broke when they <laughs> retired and it was kind of true. So they needed all that RSP money and it made sense because they were in a lower tax bracket. But nowadays people are planning their financial futures so that they can have income that stays steady. 
And so that's where the tax-free savings account is such a blessing. So both of these account types have limits. We're not going to get into that, but this particular couple chose to divide that kind of future savings for their, their futures evenly between the two accounts. And then we discussed their daughter's futures and I shared a saving strategy that they weren't familiar with. They were familiar with the RESP, the Registered Education Savings Plan, but they weren't familiar with this whole life investment strategy that I shared with them. So again, they chose to divide the money equally between the two plans and be able to feel confident that their girls were going to have a bit of financial, you know, padding kind of going into adulthood. And that would be used for their education. Um, the RESP cannot be used if, for example, their kids want to start a business or one of the daughters want to start a business or wants to take some sort of art training program overseas that's not recognized by our Canadian government. They won't fork over that RESP money in those situations. So that's why we went with dividing the money equally between two strategies. And then Claire and Joe had other concerns involving their growing business. What if one of them wasn't able to work? Where would the money come from to hire a replacement veterinarian? And how would they continue to pay their household bills with one less source of income? And then I presented some options for income protection. They chose a plan that left them feeling more confident and prepared. And yeah, basically year after year, we've went back and looked at everything that we have in place. We've added a couple other things to it. We've increased, of course, um, some of these plans because the money they're making now is a lot more than it was, you know, five or 10 years ago, things like that. So these aren't once and done strategies. These are things that need to be revisited and usually improved or kind of um, adjusted every year. So is there anything coming to mind regarding an action you can take that is going to help you feel more prepared for the unknown? And if there is something kind of coming into your mind, something you really want to do, write it down. If it's something that you want my help with, write it down and then follow up with me later today. Shoot me a message. Um, I can point you in the right direction if I don't have the answer. However, I get it. Now may not be the right time for you to commit enough to another monthly investment, right? I don't want another monthly payment coming out of my bank account. I get it. Um, however, in order to get a grip on my finances, right around the time this picture was taken, this was actually taken um, on my third trip out to Ontario for working for this international investment firm. And I had braces on at the time. <laughs> I wish I still had the other one that he took of me. So I had braces on at the time. So I had to close my mouth for the pictures because we tried to take one with my mouth smiling. So not only was I knocking on doors all over Cochrane, talking about, you know, helping people invest their money. I had braces, you guys. So yeah. It was, an, it was an interesting time in my life, one that I don't think about very often because it was kind of painful, but it got me, you know, moved me forward. It taught me a lot about the resiliency that I had within me and the just stick-to-itiveness that is, is, is just part of who I am. And I was really proud of a lot of the things that I did back then, but I was literally like this goldfish with the little shark's, you know, fins dropped on. I was talking the talk, um, but I wasn't really walking the walk, but no one really knew that. I went out and bought a brand new vehicle so that I looked the part, barely able to afford that thing, but I drove around my brand new fancy vehicle so that I could, you know, strap on that shark fin and look the part. But at the same time, I had to get a grip on my finances 
because as I was getting to know more and more of these people who were trusting me with their wealth and with their future savings, and yeah, I had this big company and all these nerds that were helping me and kind of babysitting everything I did, so I couldn't really screw up. But I was like, oh my gosh, I don't like feeling like a fraud. Like I don't like feeling like I'm helping them do things that I haven't even done yet. So I decided I had to start telling my money where to go rather than focusing 100% on earning more money. I had to kind of start dividing my focus consciously between what am I doing with the money I have and where am I telling it to go versus being in reaction mode a lot of the time after making dumb decisions. Um, instead of just being like, I need to make more money, I need to make more money. So if you're in that place, I really um, would like to encourage you to divide your consciousness evenly between earning more money and what you're doing with your money, because that was a huge shift for me. So even though I didn't feel ready to start investing in an income protection plan or a TFSA, I did it. I didn't feel like I had the money, but I really didn't like feeling like I wasn't making any changes. So changing our mindset is one thing, that's cool. <laughs> but if we don't change the things we do, then we really aren't gonna feel that effect, right? So changing your mindset is absolutely the first step, but it has to be followed up with action. So I was making this excuse, right? When I have the money, I'll buy an, an income protection plan, which by the way, I mean, I would have probably been fine, but I've had some people come to me and say, oh yeah, I really want that income protection plan. Um, but then I can't afford it right now. So I'm like, okay, do you want me to call you in six months? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, just so you know, if you, you know, um, have some sort of a health scare of any kind, maybe you have some sort of blood pressure issue or you, you know, faint and have to be taken to the hospital in ambulance, there are things that can happen to your health that can cause you to either not be approved for this plan or to have to pay more for it than you will right now. So if you understand that's what's happening, I will call you in six months and we'll revisit this. And so these are the kind of things that I was lucky. I put this stuff off for so long and thankfully nothing major happened to my health that caused me to not be able to do it. Um, and eventually, very much like when I hired my business coach, I was like, I don't think I can afford this, but I really just can't keep doing what I'm doing. I can't keep saying when, I'll, when I afford it, when I, can, when, I, when I can afford it, when I can afford it. And interestingly enough, ladies, I was still able to afford, you know, five or six beers every Friday night. So let's be real. I could afford a couple of things that I wasn't necessarily investing in. All right. So I stopped acting like a broke person. And yes, I was driving around in a vehicle I couldn't afford, which was part of what actually kind of some, it was weird. It kind of made me feel like live, like kind of the fake it till you make it thing, which I was fully in that phase. So it wasn't kind of, it was fake it till you make it. That vehicle really gave me a sense of confidence sometimes. I'm not saying you should go and buy. I still have the same vehicle because I'll never buy a new vehicle again. Talk about a way to light money on fire. But anyways, um, so I changed my language. I said no to unnecessary expenses. Um, not all the time. I still had a few beers here and there and bought a couple purses I shouldn't have bought. But I got way better. I got way better. And I started feeling like I was telling my money where to go. And I invested in myself. Again, I hired a business coach. I set up the TFSA, even, even though it was only like, I think it was like 50 bucks a month at first. You know, I got that income protection plan, which I've gradually increased over the years. Uh, luckily, I bought a feature that allowed me to keep increasing it over time without having to go through the whole process of setting up a new one, which was really sweet. Um, so, and then the day that I wrote my goal, on my goal board that I was gonna write that book, The Money and the 39 Forever Mom, um, 
my son was, I can't remember how old he was now, but anyways, he, he came home from school and I had just had one of these days where I just met with my business coach that day. And he was like, you need a goal board. It needs to be on your wall. It needs to be somewhere. Like when your friends come over, they're going to see it. And first person that saw that brand new bunch of stuff that I barfed out and wrote all over my goal board was my cute little son who was literally looking at me like, are you crazy? You're going to write a book? And he was like, is it going to be like 300 pages? Like a like an actual book? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And as I'm saying yes, I'm like kind of cringing a little bit. I'm like, fuck, now I have to do this. Like I have to actually do this. And it was awesome. But anyways, so I, I mean, if you do have children or, you know, you have besties who have little kids that look up to you and you're the coolest auntie ever, there are other reasons right there staring you in the face to make some changes, right? Ladies, you're worth it. And your actions are affecting so many more other people than just yourself. So um, again, congrats for investing this time in, in making some changes or just learning some new things that maybe can set you up for making changes later. My son is uh, 17, but, or yeah, he's 17 now. He just had a birthday. Okay, now we're going to do a quick little journaling exercise. Again, those of you who've been in marketing school might remember this one. What happens if you keep doing the same things? Right, what your, what your future will look like if you just keep doing the same things that you're doing right now. Because if you're like me, this will drive you further and faster than talking about your goals. This is what got me a little, a little fire under my ass. I literally had this scary vision of what life would be like if I kept doing what I was doing. So anyways, write it down, please. I think basically like I needed hey, Lindsay, you're muted. Oh my gosh, I was talking for a long time. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> I was just saying that this is where I was at when I was originally um when this question was put in my face, I was at a conference where this business coach that I later on hired, he asked the whole room. He was like, "So, what happens if you keep doing the same things?" Like, what's it going to look like for you? And then I was like, no one's ever asked me that before, right? And I wrote some things down. And I... So yeah, this was a powerful question for me because like I said to you before, I muted myself and forgot to unmute myself. I was like kind of in this la-la land state and I needed someone to snap me out of it. I also needed to run from my fear. Like I needed to see something scary and be like, nope, not doing that, going the other way. Like some people are motivated by shiny things they want. I, however, became very quickly motivated when I looked at what I didn't want. So if you're one or the other, this, you know, if you already know how you are, I, I know for me, I look at things that I don't want and I run faster from them than I do towards things that I do want. Anywho. Thank you for letting me know that I was muted again. <laughs> I think I did a better job of saying that the second time. So that was meant to be. <laughs> All right. So now we've got Patricia. And she's also a fictional character based on an actual client of mine. Single mom with three sons, recently divorced, freelance writer and part-time receptionist, ready to plan for her own future. So a little different from the other clients I'd mentioned, she wasn't really too concerned about her kids 
Um, her ex-husband was, you know, a pretty good dad. He got lots of money and she knew kind of all the financial things that were set up for the kids. So she was like, no, it's my time to take care of me because for however long, I kind of forgot that I can't put myself on the back burner forever. And now I'm playing a little bit of catch up with planning for the future that I want. And so her key concerns were income protection and income generation. And so we got to have kind of a more of a fempreneur first meeting because this was fast forward a few more years when I was actually, you know, running this community versus when I first met those other clients, the whole fempreneurs and coaching people about business wasn't even on my radar back then. So this conversation involved um, helping her level up her freelance writing business and helping her charge more and do a better job of the client onboarding process so that the clients wanted to pay her more because she gave off a more professional, I've got this vibe in the beginning. And that was done through um, literally showing her my whole process. And then we tweaked it for her. And then part-time receptionist was awesome because really like if you're a newer fempreneur and you're thinking that your business is going to start making bank like that, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work like that for most of us. And if you put all of that earning pressure on your baby business, it's like asking your newborn baby to walk and having that little bit of income from a job that doesn't suck the life out of you. So you still have energy and time to put into your business. That is such a blessing. So I had that, as you probably all know, through my hairdressing business. So the whole time I was building my investment business, and I had to keep it on the DL while I was at that company, they didn't actually want me doing anything else because, you know, branding and marketing, they didn't want me to ever look like my focus wasn't 100% on that job. But let's face it, I was still doing hair. Not a lot, but I would. Pro- I was probably making about $1,000 a month doing hair. And that was money that I really needed back then. That was money that paid for me to get, you know, a professional headshot. That was money that paid for me to get pens with my name on them that, you know, years later still had the same phone number on it. Thankfully, I didn't put my, I was smart. I didn't put the office number on those pens. I put my cell number on those pens and so different things like that. So um, I really, you know, congratulated her on not putting that that extra pressure on her business before it was time. And it just kind of gave us the freedom to build um, to build the business that she wanted. And of course, when it comes to income protection, she, I showed her the plan that I have and she was like, yeah, I want that. And so we did that as well. And just different, different things like that, that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are feeling like they, um, like they can't do yet, but really, you know, when is the right time to take that worry and that stress off of yourself? I think the time is always as soon as possible, <laughs> Right. So if you want others to invest in your services, which I know you all do, uh, I think we might have one one lady here who's not a fempreneur yet, but stick with us. We will brainwash you. It's awesome. Um, How much are you investing in yourself? Right? Like if the answer is yes, that you want others to give you money so that you can help them grow their business, but you're not willing to give yourself money to help you grow your business and income, how does that work? Because for me, it wasn't working. And I had to recognize that I wasn't treating myself the way that I should be treating myself because I expected others to treat me like that. So I expected others to give me money and say, 
And you might notice this in yourself. If you're the kind of person that never wants to pay anyone for anything that they can do, and you always want to get like a super good deal on it, or you want to like lowball people, I've been there. I'm not saying I haven't done it, but that's, that's an indicator that you yourself don't feel worthy of money. So really watch yourself in your interactions with money in general. If you're not willing to hire someone who you know can do something to help you, but then you expect others to hire you, that's the money block right there. You've got to open yourself up to believing in yourself and treating others as though you believe in them. Because let's face it, if you believe they can help you, you got to put your money where your mouth is, right? I'm not saying we should invest in all sorts of things. We only have so much money to invest in our businesses each month. But really be careful with that kind of divided mindset because they're completely, they're doing this and they're causing a full-on block in the, in the money that you receive. They're stopping it, okay? I did that for way too long. So start today, invest in the knowledge and support that you need to help you take action. Investing in you is the path that leads to the life you were meant to live. I hope you enjoyed that dose of marketing momentum. By the way, when your mind is focused on abundance and visions of you with 10 times more clients and income, your marketing drastically improves. So enjoy that. And if you have any questions again about anything you heard in this episode, please reach out to me. There's a link in the show notes to send me a message and would love to know, you know, if there was anything that came up for you that has been transformative or if you feel like I could have added something to this class. Um, yeah, your feedback is really important to me. I do all of this for you and thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this episode with other fempreneurs and a reminder to follow or subscribe to this podcast. That is how we reach more fempreneurs is when you are actually a committed listener. So please do that. Whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple or any of the other players, make sure to subscribe or follow depending on what they call it so that you are an official member of this community and that you're helping us reach more fempreneurs. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.